Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Deep State Radio. I am David Rothkopf, your host, and I am here in the Third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK, deep below Washington, D.C., where the temperature in the third sub-basement is about 120 degrees. Um, So this should be a great episode because I expect that I will lose 10 pounds of water weight at least. Uh, Joining us from elsewhere in overheated Washington, D.C., and I mean that in every possible way, Rosa Brooks of Georgetown University and Joe Cirincione of the Plowshares Fund. Uh, we may or may not be joined by Corey Shockey, who was supposed to join us, but then there was a plane and a thunderstorm and delays, and we don't know exactly. Well, yes, David, I, I should add that Ed Luce was also going to join us, but he said there was some sort of news he had to go and report on. Because I, <laughs> I, yeah, well, that's that's really where I wanted to start this because it's just the the three of us. We've got a little time, you know, to open up a little bit. And um, I heard a little bit of your, you know, conversation before we actually turned on the mics and started recording this. And I have to say, I'm just finding this a little bit exhausting. It's like <laughs> every five fucking minutes, there's some new story. You know, you turn it on and then there's a wiretap or Rudy Giuliani says something crazy or they're hostages. Or, or, or Donald Trump's doctor says that Trump's bodyguard stole his medical records. Right. Or that Trump <laughs> or, made up the letter saying he was super healthy. And then, right. you know, okay. and, and, any and, you know, one of which would be a major blockbuster week long story in a normal administration during the year. It's, it's three or four hours. You cannot look away from the show or you will miss something. Right. During the Obama administration, any one of those would have been like the year 2015. You know, it would Obama been... was so boring. So I, I can't boring. believe we got through eight years of boringness. And, and, and this this the pace has really picked up in this in this that's, uh, that's reality. Right. So there was hardly anything to watch in those eight years. There was nothing. Television, you had to like watch TV shows, you know, it was, it was, it was horrible. And now you've got this constant drama and lying and, you know, maniacs like Rudy Giuliani, who obviously, <laughs> you know, is like bumped his head or something. I don't know what happened. I don't know how he ran. Yeah, New York. No, Ru- Rudy has been a maniac for a really long time. I mean, he, he cracked up uh, at some point. I think it was right around nine 11 that he really cracked up and, and maybe it's a medical issue. Maybe it's a psychological issue. But but he went from being a jerk, but not completely nuts, to to just cracked. Yeah, what's and that's who that's who Trump's new lawyer is. Yeah, no, that's Trump's <laughs> lawyer, and he's like out there. And you know, you've got Sarah Sanders on TV, and of course, you know, poor Sarah Sanders. We talked about her eyeshadow. Oh my God, that was terrible. Lying and lying and lying and lying, and then she goes, you know, I don't think people should lie in this job, and then that's a lie. I am. 
<laughs> so yeah. well, okay. Let's just say that she might be delusional, and that that is different from lying. It's important to keep in mind. Yeah, that's true. And then you know, you got, just have to imagine that Melania is sitting in a room with like <laughs> with like a little taxi meter, and the price is going up every minute. You know, oh, every and, uh, and who can blame her? I, I, you know, if she ever divorces Donald, I hope she gets every bloody cent. Well, I, I do too. I hope he <laughs> if can't. Any, u- if anything is left, right, right. I hope he can't use it in prison. But you know, the the, the 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 reality is that at some point in the next like couple of months, there's going to be this avalanche from the Michael oh, Wolf fuck. case of all the fixing he's done, of Michael all the Cohen. things that Donald has done, and that you know. A lot of those things are Wait, probably... Wait, hold on, David. Did you just introduce a whole new character, or did you mean Michael Cohen when you said Michael Wolf? Because oh, my... I can't handle another character. Okay, well, I did mean Michael did... Cohen. If I said Michael Wolf, I didn't mean Michelle Wolf. <laughs> Good. Okay, right, so I hope you. you're... <laughs> and you didn't mean oh, Michael that would... Avenatti. You didn't mean Michael so... Avenatti, which is the whole other avalanche. Right, and then there's Michael Avenatti, who's going to have his own TV channel any minute. <laughs> Who is Michael Avenatti? I don't even. I have completely lost track. And he's, he's Stormy, Daniel's Stormy right, Daniel's lawyer. Right, Stormy's lawyer. How could I forget? Okay, maybe one of you could send me sort of a little cheat sheet to keep track of all these people. Days of our lives. Rosa. Right, but, but it, and, and like Avenatti's on there all day long. You know they're lying. They're lying. Well, they're gonna you know, and he's gonna be kicked out and and tweeting basta basta, and it's like I can't, I can't handle it. All I, I can say I, is that it's a really yeah. good thing that there are no serious foreign policy crises going on right now. Um, yeah, no, there's Cohen nothing. So <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if can you imagine if, like, there were a major, you know, crisis or set of issues on the Korean Peninsula or major confrontation with Iran or major problems in Syria or Israel and the future of war? Or, you know, you know I'm going to start with a story that didn't make, that no one has talked about, okay? Um, which broke this morning in the New York Times, yes. which was I know where you're going. The, well, good. That's why you're here. Where the where the apparently there are U.S. Green Berets deployed on the Saudi Yemen border. Of course, to, there are to support this war against the Houthis, which is not you know exactly the neatest conflict on the planet at the moment. Who happen to be proxies for the Iranians at the same time that we're contemplating popping out of this JCPOA, which we probably will do. Um, and, you know, there's a problem with getting out of the JCPOA. And I'll turn to you, Joe, first to vent on this. But to me, the big problem, and I wrote a column about this in Haaretz, the Israeli paper earlier this week, but the big problem is the day after, because there's no plan. You know, I could I could understand criticizing the JCPOA. It's not perfect, but the day after you pull out, what are you left with, Joe? <laughs> okay, Houthis or Iran? Which way do you want to go? Well, I That's- see. I actually think those two things connect to each other. Oh, they, they are connected. Okay, we'll go, we'll go with Iran. But first, I just want to say I don't know if either one of you ever went to the National Archives and listened to the Nixon tape. On the Watergate scandal, you you did that. I did that. It was just that, that's, that's what Joe does for for fun. Joe, well, well, you belong well, right here with us. You are as nerdy as it comes. But yes, well, you realize <laughs> that we're going to get Donald Trump tapes. 
that, oh that at some point this is going to be introduced in the audience. The line is going to be around the block. It will go for miles. The people someday we will see this people lining up the national guys and listening to this man. Can, can I? Can I just on, interject? On Yes, go on. Just to say that Donald Trump is making Richard Nixon look so good. I mean, you know, first he made George W. Bush look so good, and now he's even making Richard Nixon look so good. I was listening earlier this morning. I caught a little piece on NPR, uh, and they had a bit of a they had a bit of a tape of Richard Nixon, not not one of the secret tapes, but just a tape of Richard Nixon making a speech lauding the passage of the Clean Air Act, um, and he sounded relatively sane and <laughs> and he was doing something that was clearly in the national interest and i thought oh the good old days of richard nixon i and, th- and that's where we are folks yeah but no i i agree do i have to stand in line to wait to hear donald trump talk about angela merkel's ass i mean because that's that's where the conversation's gonna go right <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. I I, I will now try to bring it back. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on today on National Press Freedom Day. Celebrate. Yay. Press Freedom Day. Go ahead and speak freely. I will. This is this is why we we, we formed this country and defend this country. It's one of our great, great values here. The Iran deal. It, it is almost certain that uh, Donald Trump is going to kill the deal. I think there's three or two or three ways he can likely do it, but he almost certainly is going to do it. He's picked up the knife. He, he is, he's walked through the door. He's, he's on the way to the bedroom. I mean, this is going to happen. The only question is whether he does it outright, pulls out completely, just tears it up in some dramatic statement. Uh, possible, uh, maybe a 40 or 45% chance of that. Does he change his mind at the last minute? You know, this is Donald Trump. This is all drama. Will he, won't he? His coy conversation with Macron at the, at the, at the, at the White House. Nobody knows what I'm going to do. Well, maybe you do, Emmanuel, but nobody else does. You know, it, 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 it's possible. This is a negotiating strategy. He's trying to see how much he can squeeze out in concessions, concessions and then he'll pull back. But I, I think that's low probability. I think he's just... You know, since there's no sign that there's any negotiations, and by the way, the Iranians said today, we wouldn't negotiate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Europeans have, have... They tried for weeks. They thought they had a deal up until Macron's visit. They thought they had... They were real close to an agreement. The, the State Department issued a statement saying, we do not intend to pull out of this deal. We're looking for a supplemental accord. And then and then uh, Macron's statement as he left uh, Washington saying he's going to pull out, uh, killed all that. So he may very well do something very Donald, very Donald. He may not waive the sanctions, which is what he's required to do by May 12th, or will be in violation. But he might not actually impose the sanctions. And they'll try to be a little cute about this. Um, and so they're not technically in violation because they haven't slapped him back on, but they haven't waived. You know, in the quantum uncertainty that is the Trump administration, the sanctions will neither be alive nor dead. And we won't know what they are until Trump opens the box, or in this case, tweets. But I, I think if, if that's the option, I think that's going to be a little too cute. Nobody's going to buy it. The Europeans aren't. The Iranians aren't. The Iranians are already saying that if, if Trump pulls out or does not waive the sanctions, the deal is dead. There are no more restraints on them. 
the hardliners in Iran are chafing at the bit. This is a huge gift to them. They want Donald Trump to kill the deal. They never liked the deal. They said you cannot negotiate with the U.S. You can't trust them. But all their predictions will be proven true. And bang. And then we will be we will be at this split. We'll be back to where we were before the deal. The Iranians almost certainly will restart centrifuges. Will start. I was I met with the foreign minister Zarif in New York a couple of weeks ago. He said, and he said this later publicly, we will start enriching to higher levels, twenty percent. We will start installing more advanced centrifuges, things that are 10, 20, 30 times more efficient than what they have now. They will probably start doing missile tests again, which you'll notice they've been very quiet on. And so all this will then lead to a confrontation, and that gets us to the Houthis. But even while the deal is going on, there's all kinds of stuff happening on the ground that can, could, could trigger a conflict. The deal will just increase the tension so that something that might happen with the Green Berets on the border of Yemen could escalate into a region-wide conflagration between the U.S. and Iranian forces in three, four different countries, between Sunni and Shia forces in two, three different countries. I mean, it is a powder keg, and Donald Trump is going to light the match probably next week. Well, then that's the thing. There are other forces here that are below the surface, like the Israelis, like the Saudis, who are pushing for more confrontation with the Iranians beyond just pulling out of the JCPOA. Uh, they want direct conflict with the Iranians, uh, it seems. And so it's not just that you pull out of the deal. The day after you pull out, you discover oh, we don't have any more leverage. We actually have less leverage because the Europeans stay into the deal. We may impose sanctions. A lot of those other countries will ignore our sanctions. Uh, so we, we will lose leverage. We will lose sort of comedy with our allies. So, so we will sort of fall out. The alliance that opposed Iran's nuclear program will fall apart. And then into this void of what do we do now, you've got these agitators saying, Let's find a place. Maybe it'll be the Houthis. Maybe it'll be someplace else. Do, do you share Joe's worries, Rosa? No, I do. Um, I, and I think, obviously, it's not that the Israelis and the Saudis want a conflict between themselves and Iran to erupt more openly. They, they would love to have the U.S. have a conflict with Iran so they can ride on our coattails. Um, that would, from their perspective, this would solve some problems for them. Uh, I don't see how it does anything other than create enormous problems for the United States, not to mention uh, enormous bloodshed throughout the region. But but I, I think that's right. I think that that's, you know, it's, it, they see it as in their interest to nudge us into a conflict. Um, I You know, the, the truly sad thing about this, you know, think about it from the perspective of uh, history and, and how empires decline. You know, this is how it happens. You you get drawn into more and more conflicts that are not good for you. Uh, you you know you 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 end up losing resources, losing money, losing losing people, getting all tied up in knots, so that you're no longer able to focus on your actual long-term interests. You know, since I mean, who would be thrilled if we had an open conflict with Iran? Uh, most of our adversaries would be pretty thrilled, uh, with the exception of the Iran who presumably would be pretty unhappy. Um, you know, it distracts us. It, it keeps us tied up. It, it, it's an enormous expense. Um, 
you know, it causes chaos. It's not good for us. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And Joe, I just, you know, let's, you know, tie these things together because they, they all do fit together. And that was the theme of our last show as well. How does this you know, simultaneously we're going to go and sit down and have a negotiation with the Koreans about a deal with them? Uh, the Koreans are showing all sorts of good faith. I think the Koreans actually have a a plan. They 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 think Trump wants a deal so badly um, that they're you know they they'll get some big concessions out of him. But how does you know if if this happens, we're going to pull out of the Iran deal before the Korean negotiations really pick up steam. What do you think the impact will be? Well, I think the impact will be to undermine our credibility and to and to raise the price of any deal we end up making with Kim Jong-un because he's going to want more reassurance that this time when we make the deal, we really mean it. So it's going it, to, it weakens us and it, it, it shifts some negotiating leverage over to Kim. Of course, the Trumpites think about this differently. They say, no, no, no. It shows that we're not going to accept a weak deal, a bad deal like Iran. It'll show that we're going to want a really, really tough deal w- with Kim. We won't settle for anything else as, uh, as Mike. Well, how Pompeo could they said. let's give them some advice. How could they do a deal with North Korea that would be tougher well, than the Iran deal? It, it, it is impossible. You cannot do this. You, you, you cannot get North Korea at, at the summit, which is what John Bolton is demanding. Remember, John Bolton says, this is not a negotiation. We're there to discuss when are you going to give up your nuclear weapons. And you know, Donald Trump apparently may be under the illusion that he's going to fly back with Kim's weapons in the cargo hold of Air Force One. He, he's delusional if that's going to happen. Remember, we whipped out a two-thirds of their centrifuges, shipped all the Iranian gas out of the country. We poured concrete into the core of their, their plutonium reactor. The North Koreans are not going to do anything like that in the short term. And if you want them to do that in the long term, you're going to have to pay through the nose for that. And so what, what you see Kim and South Korean President Moon setting up is a flattery campaign for President uh, Trump to make him feel big and grand and, you know, and a, a, a plan for how they, the two of them, in some ways, I think the two Koreans are communicating more with each other on this and South Korea is communicating with the United States to set up a, a successful scenario, something where he, Trump can look victorious. You saw signs of that today um, in the news that Korea may very soon release three U.S. prisoners that uh, that they're holding in advance of the summit. Another sort of uh, inducement to the president to come to the summit at all. This is Kim's game. His big prize is just this getting is, in the same room with Donald Trump. This is beautiful. That- it's going to be a love fest. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think that there's this. It's an Joe's getting to an interesting point, which is. It's it, getting pulling out of the Iran deal may not immediately terminate the discussions with North Korea. It's just going to raise the price. And, you know, I, Rosa, you probably when you picked up, you got it, woke up this morning, you immediately turned to the Los Angeles Times thinking, oh, maybe 
David has a column in there. And then well, you, I did. I yeah. did, as a matter of fact, David. Um, although it wasn't this morning, it was about two minutes before we started recording when, when Joe said, did you see David's latest piece uh, wow. in the New York Times? And, and because I, I could turn on a dime, I, I instantly looked it up. And, and I want to tell our listeners that David has an excellent and important piece in the time, LA Must- Times that everybody should read, and in which you talk about precisely this phenomenon, which is that this is what the rest of the world... I won't say they have figured it out, but they are certainly attempting to weaponize Trump's vanity, as you put it, Uh, that they have decided that the only way to influence the United States is you can't hope to influence the U.S. with with arguments, facts, uh, uh, traditional alliances, appeals to loyalty or anything else. But occasionally you can uh, appeal to Trump's vanity and and they're hoping that this is the way to a the occasional win, at least, and that's the strategy that we're now seeing on the uh, North Korean side, which I think is quite right. Well, I couldn't have put I couldn't have put it better myself. But I, I it leads to a, a question, uh, Rosa, that I wanted to ask you because once upon a time, you were one of those kind of, um, uh, you know, kind of big thinkers that sat inside the Pentagon and contemplated the future, and um, <laughs> and and. And it seems to me never would I have guessed. (laughs) But it seems to me that the big payoff that the Chinese and the North Koreans would really like to see with the deal is drawing down US military capabilities in the Korean Peninsula. Sure, absolutely. And 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 I think they're gonna get it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sorry to say that another thing I never, ever would have contemplated in my many hours of futurist contemplation uh, was that I might come to a point when I would be less alarmed by Kim Jong-un's possession of nuclear weapons than I am by Donald Trump's possession of nuclear weapons. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, right, um, but yeah, I think they may get it and, and that'll be great for China and it'll maybe not be so great for Japan and maybe not be so great in the long run for South Korea um, or for our other allies in the region or for U.S. longer term interests in the region. Um, but it would certainly uh, be a, a real weight off the backs of the Chinese if we were to, to withdraw uh, some of our forces and and some of our weapons from that region. Yeah, and by, and by the way, Joe, this gets me to another point in this negotiation, which I think will be great and look forward to watching with periodic interruptions from Michael Avenatti. But but <laughs> the, the the which is you know the United States, you know the Trumpist, narcissistic United States. Will you know they're desperate for the deal because the president needs it to redeem himself. They may give up some U.S. capabilities, but the thing they'll go for from the North Koreans, the first thing, the big hurdle, will be the North Koreans giving up or setting aside their ability to launch a missile that would hit the U.S. But I suspect they will leave the missiles that can hit Japan, which is not going to be um well received but i'm just speculating you're a you're a yeah. professional no i think you're after, you're you're definitely on to something i think that is the way it's going and what we care about the most is not necessarily what japan worries about the most but just to reinforce rose's pre- prejudice the the cia and the other intelligence agencies have assessed that kim jong un is a rational actor their words a rational actor to the best of my knowledge, they have not made a similar assessment about the president of the United States. 
so when <laughs> when when these guys when they meet, um, I think it's clear that Kim is willing to make con- a, lo- a number of concessions. She's already made some big concessions. Uh, Sig Hecker, the director of Los Alamos Laboratories, former director, always talked about the three no's that we want. No more weapons, no new weapons, no export of weapons. And by what he means, so we've already got the export pledge. So then the summit will have to design a system for how do we verify that. We, all, we, all, we have the no better weapons pledge. They've stopped testing. And I think next week, Kim's going to invite external observers to their test site, which, by the way, is a fully functioning Death Star. I mean, test site. Uh, He doesn't have to close that site. Some tunnels have collapsed, but I believe inspectors or visitors will see next week. There are plenty of other tunnels to test. He's going to close that. That means you cap the program at its current capabilities. That's good. But no more weapons. That's the one that's missing, and that's what the summit will have to deliver. That means a pause or a freeze or an end to the production of weapons, the production of design material, and that will require some very intrusive uh, verification. It's possible that this summit could do that. If it does that, that's a major gain. But it's not what Mike Pompeo is talking about. It's not what John Bolton is talking about. If you want to get rid of North Korea's weapons, I find it hard to believe that that you can do that in anything less than a a multi-year process that's going to require, as I say, a high price by the United States, a demonstration that we will take step X and you will take step Y in return. That kind of process is, is, is what you're going to, going to need um, on the missile. See, if you don't have nuclear warheads, well, you know, the U.S. doesn't really care about the short or medium range missiles. And, and, and in some ways, that's going to be almost impossible to get the North Koreans to give up. That is their air force. That is their air force. That is their response to the conventional threat they, they, they face. So in the end... You probably are going to have a deal that will let them keep those short and medium range missiles, and Japan's not going to be very happy with that. So, Rosa, you're known for your cheery disposition. Um, yes, well known. The little Rosa Sunshine, we often call you. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, as, as I look at this, the, the, we, we, the prospect is that within a month or, you know, a couple of five weeks, six weeks, we could have the nuclear deal with Iran, flawed though it may be, tabled, gotten rid of. The U.S. pulls out. Now, other countries may remain in it, but the U.S. pulls out. We lose influence. Iran is inflamed. Uh, and the United States, there's a big, big pressure on the president to show that he's not just pulling out, but that he's going to get tougher on the Iranians. And at the same time, we could have a situation in which the North Koreans kind of sweet talk the president with, the, with, you know, frankly, the aid and assistance of the Chinese and, and maybe to some degree the South Koreans. Into, and wouldn't it be ironic? <laughs> well, and yes. in, into a deal in which we sort of reduce our capabilities, that, but the North Koreans don't give up their nuclear weapons or certainly don't for any time in the near future end up with a, a kind of a lousier deal, but neither situation is actually dramatically safer. Uh, and in, in some respects, it's worse because particularly if we draw down troops, 
you know, the, the the deterrent is lost. And so you sort of ratchet up in, in, in a crisis to options that are less good. So, I mean, to me, that looks like sort of where we're headed, uh, which is a more dangerous world. Um, you're attuned to these kinds of darkness and, and da- <laughs> danger. Um, and, and I'm wondering if you think I'm missing something. Uh, no, David, unfortunately, you're not missing anything. I have nothing to add to that. I, I, that's right. I mean, the, everything about what we're doing is, is making the world more perilous uh, for ourselves, for our children, and for much of the rest of the world. Um, you know, I, I, I think the, the only hope remains that this ends up being a short interregnum, the Trump interregnum, and then we, we sort of revert back to normal, which remains a a possibility. Um, you mean with Mike Pence and Secretary of State <laughs> Joe Arpaio? Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. Um, I do. I have a more important question, though, that I've been dying to ask Joe um, um, about the Iran deal. Um, Iran deal uh-huh. is what we say when we can't remember what it's actually called. And what it's actually <laughs> called, of course, is the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. And And I have this distinct memory, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking on behalf of all of our listeners, who I know will want to know the answer to this question. Um, there was a time, it seems to me, when the people, the cool kids switched to saying JCPOA. And I want to oh, know yeah. what's up with that, and what are, the, what are the cool kids really saying? And how do we sound like we know what we're talking about? So you have to remember, for those people who've been listening to all 90-plus episodes of Deep State Radio, <laughs> plus a bunch of predecessor podcasts, which I can't even remember what they were called, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Back Rosa a long time yeah, ago but... said that at school, the cool kids ignored her. And at one point she had to like give all her lunch money to somebody so they would be nice to her. That was how I became cool. I, I purchased, <laughs> I purchased friendship for $2.50 in, in mixed change. It was very, it was very effective. I've never looked back. It really Trump-like, but, but so she's really concerned with the cool kids. I just want you to know that. And, and just so I understand your question, you, your question is, why do we call it the JCPOA now? No, no. Yes. Well, my question is, whatever happened to the cool kids calling it JICPOA, which just had oh, such yes. a ring. I thought oh, that yes. had such a ring to <laughs> okay. it. And now, so, we're, now we're spelling it out. What's I know. Up with that? I know. It's, uh, that's because uh, the JICPOA <laughs> was the interim deal. So that's the one we reached oh, right away. Oh, my God. Remember, oh, negotiations God. began in, in September 2013 and by... And it just took three or four months, and we had the joint plan of action. But then the final deal was called the joint comprehensive plan oh, of but, action. But, Joe, I was saying JICPOA. I was saying <laughs> yeah. JICPOA, no. which, which is what the really cool people I thought were doing. No, you no. did. Oh, oh, God. JICPOA. Oh, God. Yeah, by the what? way, folks, <laughs> folks out there in Nerdland, that's why the most powerful group in Washington, very <laughs> secret group, is a group called the APC. And the APC is the Acronym Pronunciation Committee. And well, I, actually, I think we've just learned why I had to spend $2.50 to be cool. <laughs> it didn't come naturally. This is a real Washington thing, because when you're really deep into it, and Rosa, you, you've been in these rooms, you're in these corridors, and people are throwing on seven, eight you know, acronyms in 30 seconds, and you can't admit that you don't know what those no, acronyms are. No, I know, and all this time, I've been bewildered, and I've had no idea what anybody was talking about, so I just, I just would say sage things like, hmm, very much so, absolutely. 
<laughs> that most certainly is true. <laughs> well, in a very short time, you won't have to worry what JCPOA stands for. That's good. There will be one fewer acronyms, and that, that will be Trump's gift and, to the uh, world. Yeah. And then we'll be trying to remember what the NTT stood for back in the day before that collapsed, which, the, by the way, the Iranians this week in Geneva at the NPT PrepCom said, look, if the JCPOA is gone, that makes a mockery of the nonproliferation regime. You know, we can't trust any people say we're going to leave the NPT, which is their right. You can leave the NPT. You can decide that, uh, you know, you give 90 days notice and you can pull out. And that means you're no longer bound by that promise not to make nuclear weapons. And if the North, if the Iranians start moving down that path, you heard what MBS said. We all know what MBS stands for. Ah, uh-huh. If the Iranians make a nuclear weapon, we will make a nuclear weapon, too. And you know what the Trump administration said about that? Nothing. Nothing. Not a word. We've never said nothing. Well, I'm just frankly getting a-, a little concerned about everybody's favorite acronym, the USA, which is which is also <laughs> not looking like it has a bright future. Uh, personally, I, I just want you to know, I felt a little bit less of a man listening to Joe say, well, we were at the NTP, MPT PrepCom, and then we were talking about the JCPOA. And I'm like, wow, who does that really, really well? <laughs> Um, he, and, he does. And, and it reminds me of that song from Hair, you know, it's LBJ, took the IRT, you know, that whole thing where, you know, USA, <laughs> LSD, <laughs> FBI, CIA, LSD, LBJ, you know. Um, and, uh, it, you know, there's a song in all of this. Um, but the problem is that we're going to go from JCPOA, which is kind of weirdly as acronyms go, to uh, war with Iran. There's yeah. no acronym for that. It's just going to be. It's just going to be we. Right, or the and, third Gulf and, War, the fourth Gulf and, War. And and just to be grim for a minute, because you know we're talking about this on May third, uh, and and by May twelfth, <laughs> Trump will open the door and, and 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 kill the deal, and then things will start to unravel. And the really dark scenario is not just what's going to happen with their nuclear programs and all these uh, treaties. But what's happening on the ground, and this is where you started, David, because the Israelis are already engaged in war with Iran. You know, they had that air strike, missile strike, airstrike on missile sites in Syria. They killed 11 Iranians, and the Iranians admitted that those Iran, that they were killed. And so the, uh, Netanyahu is already pushing. This is the war he's wanted. This is what he, where he was going in 2010 and 2011 before we started negotiations, when, when the talk in this town was when Israel was going to strike, not if. And for his own corrupt and uh, reasons, for his, to, answer, to solve his own internal political problems, I think he's pushing towards a war. And the Saudis are there helping him. They're dragging us into their war. On the, on the when the Israelis have been working this a long time, I remember they a very, have. very senior Israeli official sitting in my office a couple of years ago going, well, you know, all this stuff is buried very deeply. And the only people who have the armaments that can go and penetrate the kind of buried facilities this has is the USA because it has to be delivered by a B-52 and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, we can't do this without you. So. You know, you you know, we're not, we're not going to go off and clean up this mess, um, right? So that dog and pony show that BB put on, and nobody's better at dog and pony shows than he is. He's the master at this. 
you know, in English, small words, lots of pictures. You know, it was not aimed just at killing the deal. It was also aimed at presenting Iran as a liar, as a country that cannot be trusted. But me, me, you can trust to prepare the ground for these wars to come. And I don't know how you feel about this, Rosa and David. I don't think Donald Trump wants to go to war. He, he likes to threaten. He likes to bluster. He likes some cruise missile strikes. But he doesn't want to go to war. The danger that I see is that he's going to be dragged into this. Or well, I think, I, think, I, I, I think Donald Trump is, um, is a bully. And that what we have seen in issue after issue, whether it's trade issues or other kinds of confrontations, is he likes to get puffed up, say something really tough, um, say something over the top, and then see if, you know, it'll all go away and there'll be a deal because otherwise he folds. And we're seeing this simultaneously on the trade front where he made all this big talk about aluminum and steel, um, or as Ed Luce would say, aluminum and steel. And and <laughs> lo, 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 lo and behold, well, no, maybe not now, not with you guys, certainly not with you guys. We're not really going to do this thing. But I want to, I want to, because we don't have an unlimited amount of time here, I want to go to you, Rosa, with another scenario, which is also a very dark scenario. It's, it's also not, relate to acronyms? It would could, if that, you want to throw that in. That is my area of expertise. Well, Let's if you could throw in. Good you are, Rosa. Right. You could throw <laughs> in some acronyms um, and enrich this for nerd nation out there. But, but here's another scenario. I think Joe's scenario is plausible. But here's another one. The United States announces it's pulling out. Of the JC oh, of the oh, JCP right. Okay. yes right of, of, of the JCPOA, um, and which which I'm going to call the Jikpoa, the Jikpoa. It's so he's pulling out of it, and nothing happens. The Europeans right. say we're going to stay in it, and the U.S. says well we're going to sanction, and the Europeans and the Russians and the Chinese say well go ahead we're not going to yeah I and, think that's possible and and. and the Iranians continue doing business exactly the way they are. The U.S. has got a fissure between us and our allies. It's got a fissure between us and our rivals. We have, at this point, no leverage with the Iranians. They have the predicate for pulling out of the deal whenever they want to. They don't have to do it immediately. They can always say, well, the U.S. is out. We, we don't have to, to follow along. And we just shoot ourselves in the foot and weaken ourselves without there being a war. What about that? That's totally possible. And, and it's sort of like if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it. If, you know, if, a, if Trump withdraws from the Jikpoa uh, and, everybody, and everybody just decides to ignore this completely because it's so stupid, um, you know, did it even really happen in any meaningful sense? Um, I mean, given that everybody's ignoring us anyway. Uh, and I, I think you're certainly, you know, it's, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, Trump burping at a state dinner or something. Everybody just pretends it didn't happen and we just carry on. So so that would how, be the how I, by the way, plan to handle the entire Trump administration <laughs> right, at some point. It's right. just go one, one what? loud burp that we're going <laughs> to try to pretend ignore. like it didn't happen. The civilized <laughs> world is going to just avert its its collective eyes uh, and, uh, exactly. you know, for the next two and a half years um, in the hopes that if we, you know, don't look, it will all just go away. It's a historical soon. belch. Um, it's just. And, <laughs> and that might be the best case scenario, right, is that everybody essentially pretends we're not there uh, for the next two and a half years. It, yeah. And then they forget about it. New president comes in. 
um, and you know starts going around the world and 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 people go, what was that? Well, nice to see you. Nice to see you again, Joe Biden, in your new role. I know. <laughs> Where you been? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that we we well we could certainly end up there. There are worse things that could happen. You know, I mean, if if by the time we get to the Trump administration, it's actually just forgettable. That's kind of the best case scenario. <laughs> That's right. It was just a bad dream, a bad period. It was that bad hair period I had in the 80s. Yeah, we're all yeah. That's that right. Now. Right. Like there was that whole decade where we don't like to look at pictures that like that. Yeah. What no, were well, we thinking? Yeah, don't know. That's true. And I, I think it would be fair to refer to this as a bad hair day for America, given <laughs> given our leader. Um, uh, who, by, you know, by the way, I have to you know, we're going to end here. I, I, I just. Another thought that struck me during the course of this week is Donald Trump is not as rich as he said he is, but yeah. he's rich. He's got hundreds of millions of dollars. And he, with his hundreds of millions of dollars, chose to get hair restoration medicine from a doctor who looks like he's straight out of an insane asylum. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> you know, who looks like of all the guys, there's lots of doctors in Manhattan. <laughs> Right, this guy. Right, he looks like an Edward Corrin drawing from the New Yorker, right? And 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 this and and the guy gives him the medicine, and he ends up with Trump's hair. So can we conclude? Trump, Trump ought to sue him for malpractice. Right, but can we conclude then that Donald Trump's hair, because he's a billionaire and incredibly vain, and went to fancy doctor in New York? That this is the state of the art in hair restoration? <laughs> this is as good as it gets? Well, let me just say that the two of you are very fortunate to have full heads of hair. That's the case. I comb it very well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I agree that it's the case because it's, it's clearly, it's not working for him. Um, yeah. But, you know, by the way, that doctor was my sister's internist. She used no to, way. Yeah. No, she, and she, How does her hair look? What's her hair look like? Uh, no, she, uh, oh, come to think of it, it looks just like Trump's hair. But that's another she issue. She write her own medical report? Yeah, yeah, right. She's always said she was the healthiest sister in the history of the world. Um, uh, and no, she said he was kind of sane and lovely for a while, but then he sort of turned the, that he turned the bend at some point. Well, Trump know. will do that to you. I'll say. Yeah. Now this poor man says he feels raped, violated, and sad as a result of uh, Trump's actions. Now, having said that, he was Trump's internist. You can only imagine what he did to Trump. Oh, thank you, David. Corey <laughs> uh, is not with us. I'm just going to say, on wanted visual, we did not need that visual. None of us needed that image. Uh, just, I actually, I got to tell Let's you. Let's talk. Can we talk about the Jikpoa some more? Yeah, no, we could. But I just want to <laughs> say one thing. I actually do need that image. I need the image of that doctor and Trump. Well, anyway, go on. Say Jikpoa three times. Jikpoa, Jikpoa, Jikpoa. Yeah. What's your favorite acronym, Joe? It's got a certain. I think it's got a ring to it. Has there, has there ever been an acronym that really meant a lot to you? Joe? That I really liked. That I really loved. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, probably the Star Treaty. I got. I, I thought that was very clever. The start. I enjoyed it, but it's not very funny. The it's best acronym. Well, listen, are we at the, well, are we at the end of this podcast yet? Can I 
Can I, I have a sound effect I'd like to play? Can I? Have a- <laughs> no, no, you can. We have one minute left in the podcast, but I want to say one wait, thing. Wait, I want- wait what's your, we're still, I thought we haven't heard anybody else's favorite acronym. Let's see acronym. if you can hear this. Ready? Here's my, here. Ah. Wow. Oh. What is that? <laughs> that was me twisting off the, 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 the can, the can of beer that I'm opening up. Oh, okay. So you're having a beer. Rosa, do you have a favorite acronym? I, I do, as a matter of fact, David. Thank you for asking. Uh, my favorite <laughs> ac- acronym is uh, dot mil pf, which is uh, I'll spell that out for you. It's d o t m l p f, um, and sometimes it has an extra hyphen p at the end. Oh, of Oh yeah, that's and, the one that I always call dot milp. Yes, the dot, the dot mil pf <laughs> spectrum. Um, people, when I first went to work at the Pentagon uh, almost ten years ago now. Um, people were constantly referring more than I guess almost ten years ago. People were constantly referring to the the uh, Defense Department's dot mil pf spectrum, which which I assumed uh, had something to do with the DoD website. Um, for some several very confused months, I thought it must be a, a web domain, um, but it turned out no. It turned out that it stands for Doctrine, Organization, Training, Material, Leadership, and Education, Personnel, Facilities, and Policy. Dot wow. mil pf. Remember it that forever. Is, Engrave it in your hearts. No, because in so my mind, it's still mind. back at dot .milf. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that's not what it, that's that not what it, what it is. All right. Well, let me say something. Jigpoa, Jigpoa. Jigpoa. Let me say something to all of you deep state radio nerds out there. Those of you who tweet in, and we really love the pictures you've been doing of Corey. I'm so sorry that she has is not here to respond to them personally. Uh, over the next week, for those of you who tweet in your favorite acronyms and prove the depth of your nerdiness by doing that, we will send you mugs or T-shirts, some Deep State Radio swag. So please think it through, make the acronyms interesting, and uh, Rosa will judge. Jikpoa. Jikpoa. By the way, Rosa judges. She's good. she's very judgy. Um, uh, lawyer lawyers like that. Anyway, guys, this has been lovely uh, and therapeutic. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you, David. Thank you, nerds across America and around the world. And you may now return to your originally scheduled programming. Bye bye. <laughs> bye, everybody. Uh, Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.